This is episode one with wedding photographer and educator Sam Hurd. Welcome to Artist Talks. My name is Mark Maya. I'm a Marine Corps Iraqi War veteran, former college athlete, and PTSD conqueror turned teacher, photographer, and visionary. Thank you so much for listening, and let the episode begin. And humanity, and you know, just get away from the the gear stuff a little bit, and uh, just have a have a normal. Um, chat yeah i feel yeah, like we just, need coffee or something actually i do have coffee do you have yeah coffee? i know well no but i was I, sh- I was thinking about it so it's the thought that counts right so i might actually have to uh take a pause in like 10 minutes and go refill my my cup oh yeah what what, what cup i saw on one post um a few days ago somebody was asking what type of coffee you drink what type of coffee is that <laughs> this is the, the current coffee i'm drinking is by death wish coffee it's a company, I don't even know where they're based. I, I heard about them because they, I guess they're really small. Like they basically just run out of a food truck type situation. Like it's not a huge company. Yeah. And they got some, they won something to have like a 30 second ad spot on the Super Bowl. And they had an awesome commercial made for that. It was all included, you know, I guess Target gave it away or something like that. And that's why I heard about them. I was like, oh, I'm going to order some of their coffee and support them. And uh, it's actually really good. It's super caffeinated and it's uh, Death Wish coffee. And then I have this really awesome, like one touch. It grinds the beans, it, it tamps it and everything. Oh, and it it so makes everything. Yeah, it's all fully automatic. Um, and then it also, you pl- plug in a... Uh, uh, container that has milk and then it like mm. heats the milk and gives you a nice foam so it's like a perfect little oh wow so it steams it for you and everything yeah yeah it gives a nice, little nice little latte so mm. mm-hmm. but i'm i'm not, i haven't been drinking coffee very long so uh, i'm still like figuring out what i like but uh, sure. it's currently death death wish yeah and they're big yeah. it's funny because on the bag their logo is just this giant like it almost looks like a poison logo so it, you know <laughs> <laughs> it probably well, was worth the question in the photo like what is that <laughs> right right yeah. well if uh if you're interested in stepping out a little bit um down here in durham we have counterculture you may have seen that um at, at some stores but yeah I'll try that yeah i think i've heard it yeah 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 cool yeah very good stuff so yeah i'm um, a relatively new coffee drinker i tried to I, I didn't succeed but i tried to give up um drinking soda i definitely don't drink it as much as i used to but to offset that i started drinking coffee um you know not as much sugar but the same amount of caffeine and um yeah now i just do both so sure, <laughs> sure, sure. life worse it's like a person that tries to quit smoking with like a patch when nicotine patch and then they do both and then it's like they're getting double, double the hit of nicotine and it's that much worse <laughs> that's what happened to me well, and so then coffee yeah, no, no, i think but i think like the sugar though was like the big thing um, yeah, yeah, I've I've had to cut back. I've, I try and limit myself to only having a soda. That's like my wedding reception reward for having made it. You know, six hours on my feet, and and I'll usually get a, um, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I just got a notification on. My iPad here. Yeah. Anyway, that's my reward for making it through. I have a soda from instead of I don't ever drink at weddings like uh, alcohol or anything. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, is is there any other thing that since you've um, I don't know, just since you've been, your business has taken off a, a lot more and, you know, you've, you've had to hustle more, I guess. Like, is there any other like health things that you've, um, yeah. had to change or, uh, well, I just turned 30 this year yeah. and I, 
my, the only thing that I would ever do concerning my health was like uh, exercise regularly for, for a long time. But I go in like six months bursts of like being really good and diligent and keeping, I, I would mostly jog, you know, go on a couple mile run like every day or every couple of days, but then I would like hibernate for six months. And, and so, um, but that, so I wasn't even that consistent with my exercise though. I do feel really good when I'm finally like consistent and running, but th I do that kind of on and off. Um, but now that I've turned 30, I have, uh, actually like gone to the doctors recently got my eyes checked again and like trying to just get a full um it was actually really great this week actually on wednesday i um went to see a physical therapist and she right. is the wife of a photographer that attended one of my workshops he's like hey you know i had a great time at your workshop we're based in dc um i'd love for you to just come talk to my wife and and see you know about kind of the unique physical demands of being a wedding photographer and like just see if she can help you at all yeah right you know i'm pretty healthy but I, sure. I, of course at the end and even in the middle of every wedding i feel it in my feet and in my back and right. i've tried to have the equipment that i think is is best like for my comfort and distributing the weight well and all that but I, and, and, and buying the right shoes. Like, I feel like I'm doing everything right, but I sat down with her and talked for two hours and she, she like, um, taught me just some simple, uh, using these little like, um, dense foam balls and foam rollers. Uh, you right. just like lay out on the floor and you work parts of your back and your body. And, uh, I just felt incredible after that. So, sure. uh, it, it's like this two hour thing. So I'm trying to do more stuff, just be a little more proactive in my health <laughs> now yeah. that I'm 30, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's, you know, one of the things long-term, I think a lot of photographers, the reason they, they burn out or they get tired of shooting weddings is that they literally just don't stay healthy enough to do it. It's very demanding and it's unique in that it's like five days out of the week, you can kind of be really sedentary and sit at your desk and just be lazy. Yeah. Um, and that, but then one or two days in the weekend there, you have to be on your feet for like eight to 12 hours, like just, just working and that's really hard <laughs> sure, sure. so um you know and i can't imagine trying to do this when i'm 40 if i haven't kept up with some sort of routine and, and staying healthy but yeah, i don't know yeah yeah so I'm, I'm i'm in a similar boat i mean i'm always trying to be healthy but yeah i'm thinking about like 10 years 20 years down the road you know yeah what do i what do i want to still feel like doing rather than yeah. what do i just want to do with my career um you know yeah yeah, I, I found myself just, you know, I found myself doing more meditation, um, laying on the ground more, stuff like that, and just chilling. Yeah. I felt like I have to go more, you know. It's, it it's funny. Difference. It's funny. Yeah, it totally does. I, I don't meditate or anything, but uh, my girlfriend, Nessa, does. And yeah. she, she, I mean, she has to do it almost every day. And it's, yeah, she's so much better off having, you know, basically a tool like that <laughs> to, to kind of focus and, and everything. But. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. My 30, I think in one of the questions you sent me, it was, it was kind of the like, I, I, somewhere in, on the internet, I had mentioned like, after 10 years, I see myself phasing out photography. And not necessarily do I think that's like, for sure going to happen. But I'm thinking and formulating and planting seeds now as if it could happen. And, uh, you know, like I said, by the time you're 40, 45, um, it's, I don't, I don't know if I would be able to shoot 40 weddings a year just because of the amount of physical exhaustion and and all that so not that i'm definitely like planning to stop shooting after 10 years i'm just prepared for it if if i have to sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. whether or not my health uh it could also just be stylistically i'm no longer like yeah 
uh, marketable. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I think I heard you and Ryan Bernheiser, uh and, and then Nathan as well talking in one of your podcasts about that, about yep. you know, sustainability. You know, what does it look like? Because most photographers don't last that long um, yeah. at, at the rate that you guys do it, at least. So, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I've literally, so my first year shooting, I think I did like five or six weddings. Second year, I did like 15 or 20. And then basically ever since my third year until now, it's been 45 to 50. Mm. Um, if not 50, every time I just kind of lose count after <laughs> once I get yeah. into the 40s, I'm like, it's a lot. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy to think that um, a lot of photographers, like my girlfriend, Nessa, she limits herself to like 25 a year. And yeah. so I'm basically shooting two, two years worth of work in one year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, once I've been doing that for now, like six years, that's a lot. Of, that's almost... 12 years worth of work for a lot of photographers. Yeah. What was, you said the first year you shot like four or five weddings? Mm -hmm. Yep. What year was that? That would have been, I guess, 2010, 2009. I think it was January 2010 was my first wedding. Okay. Check that actually. So then, see, so I mean, so uh, would you also say that you've been a professional photographer that long? Yeah. Well, no, I was shooting, uh, yeah, I got my start shooting professionally, but news and, and press conference type stuff in DC. Yeah. And I did that for since 2008, started in January 2008 doing that. And, um, and then one of my coworkers at that at the place that I that I did that uh, was getting married and she asked me to shoot her wedding. Um, and uh, that's how I started weddings. But um, yeah, so I was shooting for money and, and to make a living for myself since 2008. But sure. yeah, very different type of work. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. On, uh, I guess on that same note, let me, I think I had a question, I feel like that was connected to that. Um, so I, I think one of my questions, I said, talk about your beginnings as an artist and some of the events in your life that led to where you are now. Uh -huh. Can you, can you talk about a few yeah. specific ones, one or two? Yeah. Well, and just to set the scene a little, um, I grew up in a place called Lynchburg, Virginia, a city of about 70,000 people. Um, my interests, well, before, so we, we moved there when I was like seven years old. Before that, my mom was in the military, so we moved around like every year, kind of like a typical military situation. And um yeah, we planted in Lynchburg and kind of were there ever since. And I really was into photography around high school. Before that, like the only artistic thing I was ever into was music. I mean, I played violin since I was in the second grade and learned guitar and drums and bass and all that stuff and really love uh, sound engineering and record production and all that. Even now, I just have like tons. This is actually probably my crappiest mic, the one I'm talking to you on, <laughs> but it's like the easiest. This is my best mic. No, that's not my best, but it's one of my best. It's, it's this giant like mic. Yeah, and I've actually got another one of these uh, that's like a vintage model that's not from the company Blue. It's from uh, another company called um, Flea. But anyway, I love microphones. What's cool about yeah. this is that the, the head is swappable. So the capsule actually... Uh, comes off and you can like change the tonal qualities of the mic and anyway so I was really into this stuff mostly because I was always into computers and I ended up majoring in uh, <coughs> excuse me studying computer science and information science and network administration and all that stuff I worked yeah. for the IT department at my college and uh, the only thing that really appealed to me about photography was the technical aspects of it the sensors the trade-off in ISO and how some cameras were better than others and and all that was really 
awesome, uh, but I didn't really consider it a career option until uh, I was looking literally on Craigslist for all my job uh, possibilities up in the DC area. Um, and uh, I, I applied, you know, sent my resume out everywhere, had a bit on my resume about photography and my interest in music and photography. And um, saw an ad for this place called the National Press Club, which is where I ended up getting an offer to work and uh, it was their staff photographer. That's where I did all the news and press conference stuff. So that's um, how I kind of fell into shooting. I mean, it was kind of just luck. I did have to make the call. I remember distinctly, I was calling all my friends, all my, my relatives and stuff to get advice about, okay, should I take this job? a uh, computer science job working for NASA in, yeah. uh, um, out in Greenbelt, Maryland. It's, or it's a NASA contractor. It wasn't like I was working directly, but close enough. Sure. And so, you know, they paid twice as much. Uh, or, or do I call the other place and, and, and work for them in, in D.C. and take <laughs> photos? And uh, it was tough. So, like literally half my friends and family were saying, no, definitely take the, you know, the one that starts at 80 grand and, and – <laughs> you know, and it has a cushy retirement and you could probably work there forever. And yeah. then half, half of them were saying, no, you should definitely go do uh, photography and live in downtown DC and like be, you know, two blocks from the white house. Like that sounds yeah. awesome. It's good. So anyway, that was stressful, but I'm glad I chose the one that I did. I never thought I'd be doing weddings ultimately, but anyway, that's where it all kind of spiraled, hmm. spiraled from. Interesting. That's very interesting. I had no clue. So yeah, I mean, did ever, ever have any regrets from that decision? Feel Not like at all. Yeah, definitely. But what's really scary is that, I mean, I, it was a total toss up. I just as easily, I was so close to just taking the other job and, wow. um, you know, how different my life would be for sure. Totally. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine, but totally. wow. yeah. uh, it's weird to think about. It's funny that I can identify that specific decision that just changing and, and putting my life on such a specific track. And I always wonder about, um, other things in my life where if I decided another way, you know, things would be totally different, but I just didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, yeah. So I, I've been very fortunate. A lot of it's just been luck as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, do you, do you fully, how, how much of it would you say is luck? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say luck in a sense that like I do work all the time. Somebody actually yeah. asked a question in the chat, like how am I able to balance everything and yeah, or, or how am I able to do like teaching and workshops and speak all this. And uh, I've kind of always been a workaholic, although academically I was not at all. Um, I was horrible at anything that I had to do because it was like because I was told to, you know, as a test or a project or a paper or whatever. Like I was a horrible student, but that's because I spent all of my time recording bands and researching like recording equipment. And that was basically my entire college career was, was doing, you know, living on campus, but studying something that had nothing to do with my major. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and that's all I did like day and night. I, I was eating and breathing music and recording. And uh, now that's just transitioned to eating and breathing photography. That's literally all I do. And I'm fortunate that I live with Nessa, who's also a photographer. And though she doesn't like to talk about the same aspects of it, like she's not really that into the technical stuff. She's more into the uh, uh, light and the, the feeling of an image than I am. Um, that actually is a great balance because it's always interesting. And we're not like 
in agreement on everything. So nothing, discussions don't get boring. (laughs) So it's nice that I have that support and the ability to just be working all the time. And, um, uh, you know, I like it. So. Sure. Sure. Um, I I guess going back to your, your beginnings as a photographer, um, starting off, you know, there's just so many new photographers now and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the stats of, of people trying to start off and then just, just quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, are insane. Um, what do you think the biggest challenge was for you when you first started out, say that first year back in '09 when you first did those five weeks of weddings? Um, just confidence. I mean, I was always sort of doing whatever I wanted when it came to the portrait stuff on the wedding day. But, um, you know, that's probably a pretty standard feeling to not be confident in like delivering the full gallery. Like I'd only ever been to one wedding in my life when I was like 11 years old. So when I did my very first wedding and that whole first year, I just hadn't seen a lot of weddings. I never second shot for another photographer. So I just literally didn't know if what I was doing was what I should be. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Is this the time of day you take family pictures? Like, is it like <laughs> what, you know, and the, the biggest stress for me was, was the family pictures. Like, okay, are there certain, <clears throat> certain groups that people should always get at every wedding or do you just kind of improvise every wedding and, and all that? And I would just be really stressed. Like, you know, I hope I got everything everybody's going to want. Like I didn't get a picture of the bride, with just her mom is that, you know, are they going to hate me for not getting that and stuff? And, um, you know, eventually I figured out that, oh yeah, um, people getting married, it's generally their very first time and they have no idea what's right or wrong either. And they're learning it on the fly as they go <laughs> from other vendors or just from the internet. So it really doesn't matter. Every wedding can be totally unique to that couple. And uh, once I kind of learned that and learned, um, I just got used to it. It became much easier to uh, to be confident and uh, and just kind of ran with it. But you know, I didn't. Again, I was super fortunate, man. I my, I mean, after that first year, inquiries just have always come through the door, like <laughs> uh, yeah. and it's growing steadily. Um, so way more than I need, right? I turn away a lot of work, and that's a sure. good position to be in. But um, just trying to keep that up, I guess, as long as I can, just by doing again, doing good work. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Do you have any embarrassing stories that you'd be willing to share from like when you first started out? <laughs> oh, you know, honestly, I don't think that I do. Uh, it's, <laughs> and, and it's probably because I blocked it out. I mean, you know, I've, I had embarrassing things. I've witnessed embarrassing things happen at weddings, but like yeah. nothing to me in a sense where like, you know, I was walking backwards down the aisle and fell or anything like that. Like I've, I've been, you know, thankfully just had, I guess, a good, um, good experience thus far but I, I will say one of the scariest things that happened was I showed up um, to shoot a wedding on the wrong day <laughs> I showed up on Friday and they were like oh what are you doing here the wedding is Saturday and I was and I was booked for that Saturday yeah and, with another wedding and um, you know that was a bit of a crazy freak freak out but it ended up not being my fault they had inquired originally on the date that I ended up showing up and never told me that the date had changed or that and they never you know saw I guess they didn't read the contract or they just assumed the date was right (laughs) and it wasn't and so it wasn't on me but I was able thankfully to find a replacement photographer and they were totally happy and everything was fine but oh my gosh that really teach me a lesson and just like 
not trusting clients to have all their ducks in a row, like go out of your way to uh, make sure that uh, they know what they're signing. Sure, sure. <laughs> a lot of times they don't, they just assume you've done everything for them, you know, right. the addresses and start times and all that. Like, no, you need to be proactive about making sure uh, it's all correct. So. Sure. Sure. I mean, how long did it take you to learn all that really? <clears throat> uh, not that long. Again, I was really fortunate. I've, I've been using shoot cue, uh, you know, it's similar to all these other Tave and 17 hats as studio yeah. management. I've been using it since my very first wedding. Okay. And, um, so it is, I don't at all use it even close to the, like the, it's full capabilities, but, um, it's enough to where everything stays organized for me. And it's got a little questionnaire that automatically gets sent to clients. And, uh, uh, one of the questions that's now on there is, you know, is this the date of your wedding? I'd never used to have that question. It was just in the contract and I assumed that was enough, but sure. so I've tweaked things here and there, but it's done a really great job of keeping my business running for me. Right Easily saves me hiring an employee uh, to do all that because it's not my, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was asking if you over here in the Q and A, do you outsource any tasks or aspects of a project to prevent yourself from being overwhelmed? Yeah. Um, now I do, virtually everything i've tried outsourcing a lot of stuff I tried outsourcing social media that ended up being a total disaster i've tried tried outsourcing um email that ended up being a total disaster <laughs> i have had great success outsourcing um my albums and all i do is i i have nessa uh, she lives with me so it, it's sort of outsourcing but sort of not uh, but she does the first draft design so I love albums, but I just procrastinate like crazy if I have to design them, which is why same with blogging. It's a lot of the same work to put together a slideshow or a blog post that goes into putting together an album. And I just hate that stuff that the, 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 putting the story together and all that, like, I love it when it's done, but oh my gosh, it's like pulling teeth to get me to sit down and do it. So uh, that was becoming a problem. I mean, albums were being, you know, later and later delayed and, um, it was always this crushing weight. And so Nessa, um, you know, takes, takes the first step. And then, uh, you know, I, I verify and interact with the client still on every level, but she's the one actually doing the first draft. So yeah, that um, that's been huge. And then I've looked into doing more recently outsourcing uh, some of my editing and everything. But uh, yeah, that's not something I've really gone full in on. I still edit everything myself right now. And, and I always have up, up until now. Every single image gets edited by me so so i don't know if that'll ever work it just it's so i'm so particular i mean most photographers are but my look specifically the way that i shoot a lot of times um is with the thought of like okay how is this going to edit later on in mind and if somebody isn't perfectly in sync with that i don't know how they're going to edit my work <laughs> You know, a lot of like, like pushing the dynamic range of the sensor by exposing just for the highlights and then pulling back the shadows. And if somebody right. just isn't used to that in their editing style, I mean, it's going to, they're going to think either I'm a really crappy photographer that just totally can't expose anything right, or they're just, you know, I have to explain it to them and, and it's a process. But sure. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, but those are the only two things. And I definitely still get overwhelmed at busy times of the year. And, you know, I just kind of put my head down and think about how it's not always like this all the time. So, and it's my fault. I can always say no to things and I don't. But, it's so true, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let me actually ask one of my other questions. Sure. Um, let's see. So, um, 
I know that I've, I've heard you say Jeff Newsom and Ron Bernazer are some of your big inspirations. Um, are there any other artists specifically that are not photographers that inspire you? And, uh, like painters and such. I mean, in general, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like for me, like I like Macklemore is a huge inspiration for oh, me, cool. you know, like he's, he's really, really big, um, you know, and other, other artists like that, but yeah, other painters, uh, musicians. Yeah. It, like any art. Yeah. Um, most of them would be in the, the audio world, like yeah. producers. Um, yeah. Uh, Brian McTurnan is a, is a big one. He's done a lot of bands that I've loved. Uh, Casey Bates, he's a producer out of Seattle. Yeah. He's just done incredible work and like i don't know he's been doing it probably 15 years now and i listened all the way yeah i've listened to his stuff from when he was doing it out of his basement and all this and um it's just amazing to see how it's evolved and yeah pretty much every anybody i consistently look matt goldman he's another record producer and like i really admire their um not just their ability to like mix a song and uh and and just stellar work but like just push the envelope in audio sure. and like just try stuff because recording takes so long so so long i mean even with really talented musicians like it's just it's a long process and when you can do that and still like totally encourage bands to let's try it a different way let's let's bring in let's go to some place and pick up a bunch of random crap and just record through it and see yeah. how it sounds put the microphone in in the back bowl under the back corner of the room and when you still have all this um, emphasis and time on experimenting um it, you know much less just getting the take right <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I really admire that it's just it's awesome but so i would say probably my biggest influences are in that world not necessarily mm -hmm. photography i mean there are certain big directors that i love but there's nobody interesting or or obscure it's like yeah. your standard standard wes anderson and um you know directors like chris chris nolan and stuff like that so uh, right. yeah right um, but yeah, being in DC, I was, it was, uh, when I lived there, cause I lived in downtown DC for like six years and, uh, it was a really great place to just, if I had an extra hour or two to kill, I walk into a museum and I went to the national, uh, portrait gallery almost on a daily basis. So it was right near where I would always grab lunch and just, uh, you know, I wouldn't really pay attention to who the artist was as much as just like taking it all in and noticing the different use of light and all that. And, you know, they just have like insanely awesome. I just had really good access sure. <laughs> and, and most of the museums are free in DC. So it was just right. unlimited. Um, so I took that in a lot, but I haven't been to a museum in a while now that I moved. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, is there any, any more questions you saw over there you want to answer really quick? Mm -hmm. I don't know. How do you read light? <laughs> uh, that's a tough one to just talk about. The biggest thing that helped me read light was start using live view more on the on my camera. Uh, you just see everything in real time. So in my mind, it just clicks a lot faster. You know, it's kind of weird how, I don't know if you've ever gone through this, you'll shoot like a whole session or you'll shoot an idea and you're just like, oh, this is awesome. And, and, and you're so excited. And then when you pull it up on your computer screen, you instantly know what you'd want to, what you want to change. And it's like, man, why didn't I change that when I saw it in the viewfinder? And it's like, well, it's only like 10% of what the actual size is going to be. So anyway, um, switching to live view, 
uh, you have such a, now you have like four inches to actually look at and you see your actual exposure and bokeh and all that. That's really great, but you just have a larger viewing surface. And for me, I instantly see what I want to change and can do that versus um, having to wait to see it on a big giant computer monitor. Um, and so reading light, that's, I need a bunch of slides and I, I, I need some more time to talk about it, but yep. again, uh, try using live view if you never have and, and see if that, it, you know, it increases your efficiency and speeds up that whole process. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, th I think I, I listened to you talk about that one time and uh, mm -hmm. I started practicing it and then ended up shooting less shots, but most of, you know, I would get better shots because yeah, like you said, I was, able to, yeah. I was able to see, you know, on, on the back what I wanted it to look like, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I actually taught, I, I teach uh, teenagers photography down oh, here in yes. Durham and I was actually teaching them uh, Thursday night, uh, uh, in, in downtown Durham live view and how to use it in that sense. And I was, I was like, this is so interesting. You know, it's, it's actually just such an easy thing that we all have that, um, a lot of artists don't, don't, uh, they don't like it. And, you know, honestly, like I, I have the, um, I have the Sony a seven two or mm -hmm. R or something like that. Um, and then I also have the Fuji, uh, X 100. Uh -huh. And then when I, I first got those, I was like, what the, what the hell, you know, I, can't my viewfinder you know i need my viewfinder and yeah yeah, yeah. it didn't work and i actually didn't shoot with those um for a long time because of that because i just was like i i don't know what to do how do i shoot yeah. with this you know it's an awkward transition and not quite the same way as this but very similar to how digital started taking over film right yeah. and it was just like wow that was a really awkward transition for people um just because once you get used to doing something a certain way, uh, it's tough to consider ever changing that. And live view is still evolving. It's not as good as it will be in another five to 10 years. And, yeah. uh, and so maybe it's not quite there for most people yet, but um, it's there enough for me. I definitely give up some stuff in terms of reaction time and, right. and speed and all that. But again, like you said, what you get back is a higher keep rate or, or more quickly a quicker way to formulate an idea for a picture sure. and so yeah i don't know it's always but you know, better, better to get in early and get used to it now because i guarantee dslrs and and, and optical viewfinders won't won't be the uh the mainstream forever sure. <laughs> everything will go the way of like the sony mirrorless stuff and, and just evfs and all that and there's nothing wrong with that although i do think when you're first starting out there might be some value in shooting with the limitation of like optical viewfinder and not sure. seeing instant response. Cause I think it does help you like figure out the shot in your head first. And then, um, and, and I think that's a healthy thing to do in the early stages as a photographer. But. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I can see that, that problem happening too. Cause yeah, I think it takes struggling, uh, to really, really conceptually get a holistic grasp of this, this thing called light. And yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, well, uh, I've got one more like nice deep question. Um, so what I was, what I was wondering specifically is, um, a couple of photographers that people probably know, Ron Murhead and Jeremy Cowart. Um, yeah, I hung out with Ryan, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks cool. ago for a full week. Yeah. He's the man. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I know, you know, this, but those guys both, I mean, they wear their heart on their sleeve, uh, mm -hmm. And they just are constantly talking about uh, struggles, you know, emotional pain even, and, and all mm -hmm. these other really, really 
um, these things that drive their art. Do you have anything like that that you'd be willing to discuss? Yeah, um, I would say uh, from it's, I mean, certainly nothing new for artists to channel their, especially negative sides of their life into their work. Right. And, and I've had plenty of emotional ups and downs in my life and, and, um, and just issues, but all of that was, was, and still is channeled through music for me, just songwriting, playing instruments, stuff. Not at all do I use my photography for that kind of thing. Sure. I, okay. I, and you know, not to mention mostly what I shoot are weddings, which generally, even though I will occasionally photograph somebody in maybe a stoic, thoughtful, quiet way, it's never like sad. <laughs> you know, sure. um, generally people aren't sad on their wedding day. And even if I'm doing something where it looks like maybe somebody can interpret it as sad yeah. again it's it's i'm trying to portray more just thoughtful or or quiet and and not like this person is sad clearly uh, or depressed and and uh anyway so yeah i mean no my life is pretty good i i don't have any you know huge struggles that i currently deal with or at least not in the last 10 years that i feel i have to um you know work through in my photography or in my work with with yeah. any of my images yeah it's all well and good so um, that is a really good question and and you notice both those guys neither of those guys really shoot weddings ever yeah right? they they're very they have complete control of their art from a to z all the time and so it, i can see why if you can make a living doing that um why you know Sure. how that, that can happen but for me not so much um if yeah if ever i'm going through something or need to like get that artist in me uh out it's through music and that's why even though i've kind of come around on this a little bit i i hate when, when people say like you're such an artist or you know your, your work is very artistic i don't feel like i'm really doing art not that i'm not emotionally connected to it but it's like it's all positive. So it just <laughs> art for me is always saying like, well, this person must be going through something uh, like intense and right. uh, weddings are just all well and good. I mean, I love them. I, I love the sure. intensity and, and the emotional highs for the most part they come with them. So yeah, that's, that's probably my, my answer to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, you are such a positive guy and people pick up on that. And I think that's oh. the reason why people uh, just enjoy listening to you and, and your work as well. Cause you, you know, you tell your story and you communicate that with it. Um, well, so that's, I mean, it's always it's, very interesting. You know, one of the things that that worries me a little bit is is when photographers kind of don't have that separation and don't have another avenue to express themselves, especially mm -hmm. if it's a something negative or or depressing that they're dealing with, or or, or conf just any conflict, I guess, yeah. in their life, and and when they have to use the same tool to photograph uh, if they're wedding photographers something really happy and really positive but also use that same tool to express themselves in in like a struggling way that i think is uh that could be bad i think it's i feel very fortunate to have something totally different you know still creative or whatever with music but a totally different avenue for expressing that so they're just completely segmented in my mind and in my emotions in a good way so hopefully that made sense but i think it's yeah. a little worrisome to to try and connect them when you know at the end of the day you have to do kind of a 
positive angle on weddings. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, nobody yeah, no, exactly. wedding to be photographed in a depressing way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah, I think that's really important that you say that. I mean, you know, when there's so many of us photographers that start out, when you start out, yeah, you're just shooting your heart out, literally, mm-hmm. and so like you're just throwing it out there, and you're like oh man i'd love to be able to make money doing this you know and then and then you realize oh not everybody wants that um really really dark photo of um you know it looks looks kind of creepy but it's also it's beautiful you know and, you know not everybody wants to they like looking at it but um yeah paying for it is, is a different story and being able to make a career from those types of photos is is significantly different than yeah, yeah. shooting something like weddings and so. yeah and then you know when and then when yeah every wedding or so you might take some some images just for yourself and and yeah. they might be photos that are a little more dark and moody if that's just mm-hmm. you, you know how you feel and, and that's your attitude but um and that's your moment of expression but then you've got the entire rest of the wedding day to still photograph and i think that you could potentially run the risk of that of resenting that and just not enjoying it and not sure. deriving energy from the rest of the wedding day. And, um, and I love weddings, all aspects of them. There's not one single part that I, um, like dread or, or hate. I mean, sure. certain parts that I don't love as much, but, uh, you know, there's a spectrum, but in general, uh, I, I derive energy from, from just being around anything to do with the wedding. Yeah. Um, so anyway, right on. a little little complicated with all this, but yeah. Hopefully no, it sense. makes sense, and I, I I love how you approach it. I really do. It's it's refreshing, and it, and it I think it's it's a good way for us photographers, and a lot of us, yeah, we we just call ourselves artists. I know I started off that way, and I was like, I'm going to be an artist, you know, but yeah, I'm going to make money, you know, and and hustle and all this stuff. But um, understanding that there's a significant uh, business side. Yeah. And I had had a bit of an epiphany, like the words artists and storytellers are are thrown out there so much, especially for wedding photographers. And uh, for me, I I had this epiphany when I was at a conference in Sevilla, Spain, and this photographer, amazing work, he was really cool. uh, but he just every other word out of his mouth, out of his mouth was storytelling, storytelling, and that's fine. Except that I just got sick of hearing it, and I was like, hmm. "Yeah, I've always kind of thought of myself as a storyteller as well, just because that's how everybody seems to describe themselves." But wait a second, I don't think that I really am. I, I, <laughs> I mean, you can get, of course, stories and and from any any photo or any collection of photos you can derive stories from it so yeah in some ways i am a storyteller but i really the word that popped into my head that i was just like no this is a better description for me is is craftsman right not that i'm building wood and stuff but i craft my my ideas and my photos like i my at least my favorite photos are ones that i've kind of crafted from an idea and working the light in the composition and um and that sits a lot better with me than just constantly this artistic storytelling angle that I think is just uh, totally saturated the market. Sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah, anyway. I, I'm doing research for this talk we're having right now. I, I went and saw that uh, because I, on your about me page, I saw that you yeah. had craftsmen right there at the top. Which, um, but I saw that, that that word to me is a really powerful word. I think you know it's it's a word that I. I teach in my class. I teach digital art down here in Durham too, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's a word that I like to use. Is the word craft more? But, but yeah, yeah that, that's that's interesting. That's interesting to say that. 
Cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and literally the my website being redesigned at the end of last year was why I was thinking so much about my my work and how I wanted to rewrite the copy on my site. And uh, that's such a healthy process to go through. Like, sure. um, doing did you do all that yourself, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did it all all myself. And I looked into outsourcing that as well. And that ended up being really expensive. The quote I got was just like, there's no way I'm paying that. And secondly, I, I really wanted it to come from myself. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I wrote it all um, and, and, and developed it over a couple months as the website was getting up. But uh, I do see a few other questions. Yeah, um, let's answer just, those. It's just a few that would be easy to answer. Do I, okay, so one, because I'm using LiveView, do I find myself um, being that, criticized? Right? <laughs> Let's see, criticized, people calling me a noob. I'm sure people think that, but I, I literally just couldn't care less. I mean, yeah, it might seem a little amateurish to be looking at the back of your screen and holding your camera up, but like at the end of the day, your work should speak for itself and who cares about the avenue you took to get to that end result uh nobody's ever come up to me and said like oh yeah you you sure you know what you're doing uh right. or, or anything like and my clients trust me they know my work i don't care if their second cousin is like oh, he looks like he doesn't know what he's doing and i i've been on the other side i've been the judgmental photographer sitting there watching another photographer take an image and i'm just like mm. this is gonna be crap like this is such a waste of time and then i see the picture and i'm just like nope okay mind blown i'm never saying that again like you wow. just don't know uh what the perspective and what is going on unless you are seeing the the back of that camera um yeah. so don't judge and if right you know, don't worry about it if people are are giving you a hard time it's, it's whatever yeah. uh can you sub to me please i don't know what that means <laughs> do it whatever <laughs> Uh, posing a higher groom uh or any i've had taller brides before um if you have any massive differentiation in height uh sitting is like the great equalizer like that is really what i go for um any place you can have them sit like that that totally works and um also just forced perspective, you know, I'll probably do a little bit fewer of the close and cuddly stuff um, and a little bit more of like the shorter person in the foreground and the taller person way in the back <laughs> um, and just play with that a little bit. Um, the other thing you can do is I try not to ask people to crouch down with their knees, but actually like spread their legs, but literally do the split and then photograph them from the waist up because that way their posture is un not affected, but they're a couple inches lower. That's really helpful. Um, and then, of course, you can just always look for things on the terrain and in the environment to put someone up on a curb or on a hill at an angle, stuff like that. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah nothing too crazy. But uh, yeah, Leica SL is amazing. Uh, however, uh, somebody asked about that. Um, I That will probably be my go-to workhorse camera once the 50 millimeter uh, autofocus lens is released. That's not, unfortunately, that's not coming till the end of this year. Once that comes out, because I shoot pretty much 50 or 24 all the time. Um, once the 50 comes out, that'll be my, my workhorse. But right now everything's manual focus and that's just, I can use it for portraits, but that's about it. And unfortunately, 90% of a wedding day is not portraits. So uh, yeah, um, I don't know why they didn't release that, uh, more lenses when that camera launched, but uh, da, da, da. yeah, cool. Any other questions that jumped out at you? Um, was marketing versus talent play. Marketing is huge in being successful. That about <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. Uh, I, I've just kind of 
improvised everything to do with marketing and and just learning ad hoc and by the seat of my pants. Uh, I've never had some grand plan or, or approach to everything that I do for marketing. Uh, I've just tried to stay true to what my gut instinct seems like a good idea. And again, sometimes that's failed completely, but in the overall scheme, I, th I think I'm doing pretty well. Um, but I know many photographers that I wouldn't consider really talented <laughs> that uh, still become successful because they are better at marketing. But when you can blend both, that's really the perfect storm. And that's what I try and, and do. But, um, you know, photography hasn't really come very easily to me in general. Uh, my understanding of it has, but the ability to... Um, like pre-visualize and pose people has I still work at that that is still an uphill battle in my mind because uh, I I just can't picture these things in my mind I have to see it in real time in front of me uh to to really be comfortable and um so I don't actually consider myself talented I think it's just tons of work I mean I shoot when I shot at the press club I was shooting every single day for hours and uh, I can't stress that enough even now when I have the strange weekend off right and so it'll be two weeks a two-week gap between the wedding I shot last weekend and the wedding I have next weekend and uh, that's gonna feel weird just having that one one weekend missing like it takes me a little bit to get back into it I can't imagine going a full month or two without shooting that would just be insane. And I think a lot of photographers do that. They kind of <laughs> just put it, put it down and, and give themselves a break, which, which might be healthy. It might work for them just fine. But for me, like I, it's a constant work. Uh, and you feel like that's important for your, your yeah. marketing side, not really well, that, your talent side. Yeah. 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 Well, both really. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. But again, I try and blend it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, whenever I start to lose confidence and lose that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not as anywhere close to as uh, busy as you, obviously, and mm -hmm. almost the opposite. But uh, so a lot of times I don't have work. So I'm like, you know, I'll oh, screw it. You know, I just, I, I'd be like, well, you know, I'd come up with something else. But I'm just like, you know, pick up my camera and take a photo and take a bunch of photos and make one. And, and you know, yep. doing in that mindset, then saying, I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to get on there and I'm going to post a photo of my style every day, even when I don't want to. So, yes. Oh, especially when you don't want to. That's yeah. literally when you should be doing it the most, which yes. sucks. Um, <laughs> but that is when you'll you'll grow the most. Like growing yeah. up, uh, I I think I mentioned I I played violin from yeah. seven years old, and I played up until basically the first year of college through the first year of college, and um, so you know fifteen something years I guess, and that's just insane uh, yeah. to think about, um, but uh most of that time spent was practicing at least one hour every single day um and and hating it <laughs> like always occasionally i'd really enjoy it but like i hated practicing but now i look back and think about how how big of a deal that was in my abilities as a violinist which uh you know i was generally pretty good um by all accounts and 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 that was just so rewarding now that i can look back on that and think about that time but in when i was in it in the moment yeah i just hated it it's the same thing with photography like seriously when you should be out and shooting the most is is the day that you're just not in the mood at all like yeah. make it happen and i used to be out there all the time and literally like my front yard like taking macro pictures of grass strains and abstracts <laughs> like yeah and now I, I i 
work enough that I don't have to yeah. go out in my own yard into it. Sure. But like, yeah, that was, that was definitely me for a while. And I would do light painting in like the shed for hours and like just in, in my room, I'd turn all the lights off and do hours of light, light painting with flashlights and LEDs and just, just having fun with it. But um, anyway, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, that's the one thing I try to teach my students as well. It's just like, I, I, you know, again, I, I said like Macklemore is a huge inspiration of mine, but I have the quote up on, uh, in my wall, you know, the grades weren't great because at first they could paint the grades yeah. were great because they paint a lot, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. it's so freaking true. I'm just like, it's they, these, uh, we're, no one is considered good because they, they're just good. And it's just because they, they do it all the time, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure, of course, for some people, things do come more naturally faster than than others but like there still has to be this this investment this this cost of, of your time and and uh yeah for sure um i was somebody saying what is do i do i have a weakness in photography the mm -hmm. very first thing that popped into my mind is actually nothing to do with taking photos it's i'm really bad at remembering people's names uh it's just it's my fatal flaw as a photographer i say that all the time because when you're photographing somebody or even in regular conversation with people the best thing you can do to make them like you and and make them just feel good in your presence is to say their name to them mark right. over and over like as we're talking right i don't know if you feel the same about this mark but like the more i say right. your name the, the the happier you're probably going to start to feel but like right. i'm not very good I at do that. Sam, I do. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's true like uh i would hang around with this coworker of mine at the it department at the press club and i just i loved him he's just such yeah. a great guy and i finally realized one day it's because he says my name a lot in conversation huh. and he is really nice but he was one of the few people i ever met that just did it naturally yeah. and it's um when you're photographing somebody and you can say their name uh and in the whole process uh it, it really helps and uh i'm horrible at that if i have even the slightest doubt that i am not remembering or saying their name properly um i just won't say it anymore and <laughs> you know it becomes a lot of like yeah if you could just stand back here and pointing with my hands and then like and then she can just hold on to your arm and it's just like, clearly they know that i've forgotten their name <laughs> yeah oh gosh if you That's, you you yeah it's really bad i i've gotten a lot better at it but i really have to work at it it's yeah. it's funny but <laughs> so. that's a good question um any other ones that you are itching to answer over there uh let's see da, 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 da. how would you switch passing when you don't have models at your call i think i already kind of talked about that and literally yeah. go out in your yard you don't have i mean it certainly helps to have people like actual humans to pose and work through but like you don't have to spend all of your time shooting people honestly animals are is what i i just i thoroughly enjoy photographing wildlife and animals at the zoo or whatever um and and you can actually derive a lot of the lessons learned photographing animals and apply that to portrait work because you know they have two eyes a nose and a mouth um it's a lot of the same thinking in your shots so you know you just work with what you got i guess sure, um, sure. Yeah, and, and on that same topic, I mean, I, I think I started off as a photographer by doing self-portraits. I did like a 100-day self-portrait project. and Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was, what's even funnier is what made it even tougher is that I broke my foot in the middle of it. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to keep doing it. And I made, I made sure I was the only one who did everything. So, you yes. know, I'm like, I'm hopping, hobbling around um, with my tripod and my camera and just trying to, you know, trying to figure this out. Um, and, you know, every day I would post one and, you know, I got so much better just, just shooting myself and I, I learned so much about posing, you know, et cetera. 
that's shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, and going through that, like it totally reminded me of really my favorite ideas and photos and, and ways of shooting have come about by letting the problems that come up be the inspiration for the shot. Mm. Like, I don't know if I'm assuming your perspective and your ideas started to change once you broke your foot trying to keep up with this project in ways that wouldn't have if you had two working feet, right? And a lot of times I set myself up to, to not have everything work or do as I expect 100% of the time. I like having 10, 20% failure rate <laughs> with a lens or whatever. Um, and that might sound like foolishly high risk, but you know, I, I'm not completely gonna risk someone's wedding photos, but there's gotta be a little bit of risk and problem solving in there that will totally uh, inspire new ideas. You let the, the problems be the source of the inspiration and it'll take you places that you, know, you just, couldn't have imagined. So, hmm. yeah, it's good. Yeah. Not that I want to be photographing a wedding with a broken foot or anything. <laughs> you know, I, I actually shot an album cover shoot uh, that summer too with a broken really? foot. Yeah, it was crazy. My wife like had to do stuff, and I was hobbling around. I was literally, like, I couldn't walk on it at all. It was horrible. But I was, wow. I was just gonna hop around and shoot. Um, it probably wasn't smart, but it, it turned out great. It's nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. No, I never stress before weddings. Only if I haven't shot one for a long time, which is it's been a long time since that's been the case. So I don't really stress anymore. But I, again, first couple of years, I certainly lacked confidence. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's something you just grow out of. I think. Best photo ever taken. Give some tips, some young filmmaker. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. Answer. Yeah. Um. I don't know the best photo I've ever have ever taken. I think one of my, I don't know, my portfolio has basically all of my favorites. Yeah. Um, uh, I felt really good about my portrait of George Clooney because I just, the idea was perfectly executed the way that I wanted to, even though I was literally like shaking when I was taking the images because <laughs> I was, I was, it was pretty high stress. And, yeah. uh, and I was really happy that it all, worked perfectly um but i don't know my, my favorites always shift i guess i have like one or two like really good, like the um i did this one with the day and night shot i don't know if you've seen it mark yeah, but, i have seen yeah. that yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've actually wondered uh, i remember when you first posted that was it like last year or something yeah yeah a year or two ago mm -hmm. yeah and I, I was just wondering what the heck happened with that <laughs> so that one was like totally planned out uh, yeah. The night night before, I I knew conceptually exactly what I wanted to try, huh. and um and it's basically a double exposure in camera of a left left shot with the groom um, with the black or the right side right half of the frame totally black blacked out for my post uh, my uh, uh, passport, and even though she was there, she, her entire half of the frame was blacked out, and then I left the camera on the ground, marked exactly where they were standing. Yeah went and shot the reception, came back out after the sun had set hours later and flipped the passport so it was black on the left half of the frame. Huh. Even though he was there, he was mostly just a frame of reference so that they were in the exact same position. Sure. And then photographed her with a LED light on her. Um, and then, yeah, when you layer them 
uh, using overlay on Nikon or double exposure in Canon, uh, yeah, the light from one shows the black from the other, and hmm. it, it works awesome. Um, and it's really hard because <laughs> you have to get the alignment perfectly right down the middle for it to to come off. And uh, I've had trouble doing it. Even I've tried it at like two other weddings and just haven't. It hasn't lined up. <laughs> it hasn't been good. Uh, so it's it's tough. But um, that's probably one of my favorite pictures, just because it all. The process just sounds so interesting, you know? Yeah. Well, and it came from, uh, the inspiration came from listening to somebody talk about Stanley Kubrick and a podcast and how he would do something very similar with the front of a video camera. Uh, he would tape up the half the lens, expose all the film with half of it black, reload right. the film, flip it over, and then take a whole nother series of shots and basically get this in-camera in double exposure for, for movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we've almost been on here for like an hour. Do you want yeah. to? Yeah. Yeah. We can. We can wrap. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. cool. I don't know how many people are in. I mean, we're yeah, still it looks like yeah, we still got some that new ones keep popping up. So I mean, if they, unless there's one over there that you really want to tackle, I can, I'd say we. I think we do you network market venues. Uh, no, I don't. I don't actually at all proactively network or market myself to venues or planners or anything. I have planners that really like working with me and so they consistently send me work here and there but I uh, the only thing I do is that if they ask for pictures like the florist or any of the vendors ask for pictures I, I just send them the whole gallery and say take what you want <laughs> I don't say anything about giving me credit I just assume that hopefully they would give me credit if they like my work um, but I just put it out there I don't really want to get too aligned with any one planner or any one venue because then I just see happening um, where I, I'm shooting the same types of weddings or the same locations time and time again. And I feel like I, I just want it to always be different. I want to be in different venues and work with different people. And it's fine to work with some of the same people over and over, you know, here and there, but not too consistently. I like the, the change up and the differentiation. So I try not to do too much, but you know, if you have zero weddings on the books and you want to be doing this full time, like, yeah, you get out there and hustle. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah, send people nice, nice boxes of chocolate with your business card attached. <laughs> Do whatever you have to. Yeah, to. man. I, it, it, yeah, it's just giving stuff away. That's the more and more. I'm, I, I tell my students, I'm like, you guys just gotta find people and do free stuff for them. You know, just yeah. make your art for free and give it to them and don't ask for anything back. Well, yeah, and it, and you know that is a big question a lot of photographers go through. Is like, well, everybody's saying never, never work for free, or you know, always charge thousands of dollars for weddings. Like, if you've never shot a wedding before, even if you're an amazing photographer, you've never shot specifically a wedding before. You've never shot like a band and an album cover before. You've never shot like fashion. Like, you should be charging based on your experience, yep. not your abilities as a photographer in my opinion sure. um because yeah so my first wedding you know i shot 500 dollars. I, I felt like that was and i think i gave that pretty much all to my second shooter <laughs> who i had shooting with me uh like i thought and and as my experience grew and as i knew confidence grew uh my prices did so that's just how you have to do that i think you yep. know and then, of course, yeah, if you if you need to drum up business and marketing, it doesn't hurt to give things away for free. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. You, yeah, you know, you might be interested in this. Um, I did a whole year project. Well, six month, six, six, seven month uh, project. I was uh, just cold emailing uh, musicians and I got like, the, they came to my town, you know, just uh, we're, we're a big music town down here, but um, yeah. as, as is DC, but um, 
but I, you know, I, I was able to shoot like uh, uh, one of the Lumineers and I, I shot, I was able to shoot oh. Napping Roots. I don't know if you remember those guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's you're the same age as me, but uh, yeah. Ian Napping Roots and, and Ben Sully and uh, Griffin House, all these other, but it's just like, hey, I'd love to come and give you photos of yourself and you can use them any way you want to, you know? And then they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, yeah, of course, you know? And I'm just like, are you serious? You're, you're gonna, you want to do that? And I'm, they're like, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, give me, give me photos. And so I was like, great, you know, but then, you know, your, your SEO gets blown up. You get all these other. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, and, and gigs. it's still, even if you don't get other work from it, you're still doing photography. You're still practicing yeah. and working at it I and mean, like getting out in the field and, and doing it like that still has a return, even if it's not monetary. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you, you learn how to, how to shoot people, you yeah. know? And honestly, it's very freeing to do things f for free because you have, uh, you know, hopefully complete control or close to it. Like right, right. You're gonna, if you kind of do whatever you want. I mean, my, my portrait series of celebrities, that was, I mean, I worked for the festival. Yeah. I was going to say, those are all free that you did. Yeah, I didn't yeah. make extra money from them in any way. Uh, yep. And um, that was totally like, I felt like I could do whatever the heck I wanted. And that was really nice. If I was getting paid by a magazine, a couple thousand dollars, I, I think I would listen to what exactly they wanted me to do, you know, sure. uh, for the most part. So, yeah. Right on. Well, um, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I know this has yeah. been really helpful for me and, and all these other people to hear just uh, thoughts on stuff that you normally don't talk about, Sam, and, and it's been uh, awesome. And I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I think this will be available on YouTube. And so if somebody well, missed, you can, especially if you're listening right now and you missed like the first half, you can check check back is it instantly available on youtube yeah yeah it's, so it's yeah. it's actually being streamed live on youtube right now um as well as this google hangout which is ah, perfect yeah it's kind of cool but i'll um i wish i could like talk to people that are watching as far as like give them a link do you know of a way we can do that uh, nope i don't see any of it yeah. they can just submit questions and that's Weird. it Oh well, so, sorry guys we we're we were kind of new to this but this is really cool but you can always go back uh to um yeah i mean you can, just you can you can go out? to yeah uh, you can go to my um youtube page mark may photography there's probably a link around the page somewhere and you'll be able to see this um broadcasting right now and you'll be able to go back and watch it so perfect uh, yeah that's it cool so, All right. uh, and thank you so much have a great day thanks you guys appreciate it thank you so much for listening to this episode of Artist Talks please rate review and subscribe if you liked this episode also I'm so curious about what inspired you about this episode so take a screenshot right now with your phone post it to Instagram tag me at Mark Mayafoto and Tell me something that was really inspiring from this episode for a chance to be featured on my account. Hey, I wanted to quickly tell you about this new community for photographers that I'm building. It's called Creative Commonwealth. Creative Commonwealth is a place for photographers to help each other make better decisions about our processes and our businesses. It's also a place for us to meet other photographers like ourselves that may feel stuck, need inspiration, or feel overwhelmed. It's a place for photographers to support, encourage, and learn from one another. It's also the place where photographers can get answers to the really hard questions that they can't Google. And it's also the place for photographers to come and find inspiration every day.
To learn more, visit community.markmaya.com. See you soon.